Welcome to The Drift, your resource on all things business strategy, entrepreneurship, and leadership. I'm your host, Aloiza, and today's guest is Kim Mojeri, the co-founder and CEO of Scope. Kim is also a certified athletic trainer and chiropractor whose specialties are sports medicine and pre and postpartum care. Between her experiences in teaching group fitness for over 10 years, coupled with her clinical expertise, Scope's mission is to redefine Pilates as a category and introduce it to the world in a new and exciting way. Without further ado, welcome, Kim. Thank you. Welcome. I'm so excited to do this and be here with you. I am so excited as well. You are such a pleasure. Every single time that we've had the chance to connect, I mean, it's been such a blast. For those who do not know, um, our first experience together meeting in real life uh, was really understanding Kim's <laughs> patience, um, patience and understanding, but such an incredible individual and it's been such a pleasure to meet you. So I guess with that said, let's go ahead and kick this off and yeah. get us started. Can you share with us a little background on yourself and how you got to where you are today? Of course. So I always like starting this story giving credit where credit is due, which is my mom. So she um, is also a chiropractor on the East Coast back where I'm from. And I was a competitive cheerleader and gymnast with a lot of other sports. And when I was about 13, she said, okay, Kim, time for you to start doing Pilates. We need to add some stability and lengthen out those growing muscles. So started doing Pilates when I was about 13. And that kind of sprang my love for the category of fitness. I just like really, really fell in love with it from an early age. With her influence, I always knew I wanted to go into sports medicine. So when I started looking at colleges, um, I wanted to do athletic training because I thought that's the only part that gets to see an athlete pre-injury, post-injury, and also during play. So I wanted experience in like all the different stages of an athlete's care. So looked up best athletic training, you know, programs and found Ohio State. I was really, really excited to go there and get into that program. So there I thought, okay, now what do I want to do? And I thought, well, you know, what do I think these athletes really need? And I had to think chiropractic. You know, I thought my mom treated me in such a way growing up that really allowed me to, to escape a lot of injuries as a kid. And I thought this would be great. So from athletic training and undergrad, I went to chiropractic school where I focus again on sports medicine, obsessed with all things sports and athlete related. And then um, after graduating chiropractic school, started working, then opened my own practice and started really getting into the postpartum world and the pregnancy world as my sister-in-law had her first baby. And she was like, okay, I know you like working with athletes, but it's time to figure me out (laughs) and help me with this. So that's like the pre-scope story, really. And then I guess we'll dive into how scope got started. But that's my background. Absolutely. You know, and I'm trying to go through too, and I'm sure you probably even have a more eloquent answer for this, but in my perspective, I feel like there's also a common thread between the sports medicine and athletic recovery standpoint to not even just recovery, but overall body conditioning to also the pre and postpartum care. Because if I think about it, also, big caveat, this is coming from somebody that has not had a baby yet. So I also do not know, but I also feel like the world that you are living in and then the expertise that you're able to provide really thinks about whole body care and really thinks about the whole human and whole movement too. Is that right? Is that right to say, or what are you saying? 100%. And that's something we really, when developing scope, we really, really thought about, which I'm sure we'll dive into, but just medicine in general, it used to not be as popular, but it's getting really popular where 
people are always like, we need to think of the whole picture. And people are training differently. People are recovering differently. It's not so much about, I just want to push myself to the brink every day in my training. Now people are really thinking about functional training and training properly. And how will this help my longevity and prevent injury and, you know, help unwrap my work day, et cetera. So really looking at the person as a whole unit and their entire life, you know, you really need to think of even an athlete from adolescence to high school, to college, to post-college. And as a woman, if they have kids or if they don't have kids, like the entire even hormonal shift and what that does to their body and really starting to plan out for these people before, during, after different stages of their lives, instead of just looking at a person, the snapshot when you see them and what you need to plan for in that very moment. Mm. You know, it's, this is probably a very strange analogy, but I actually kind of think about this back into like the business days too. Um, when I kind of, this is probably incredibly bad, but this is the best way that I'm describing it right now. But, you know, when you're launching and creating a new business, right, there's all these different challenges and obstacles that you're going through that you probably had never even witnessed before. Or you've never gone through before, regardless of how many times that you've found in the business or not, there's always these new challenges that come up. And from a kind of like body and movement standpoint, our bodies go through such tremendous, like such tremendous changes and they're constantly shifting. They're constantly evolving. We go through these different robots whether you're an athlete or you're going through pre and postpartum, anything along those lines, like there's all these different kind of like barriers you have to overcome. So I I think along the same lines then, going into the transition that you actually made from graduating to then launching your own practice, which was your first business prior to Scope, can you talk about that a little bit? Like what was your thought process? What were there any top of mind resources that helped you? Of course. So I remember when I went to chiropractic school, my mom said to me, they will not teach you anything about business or opening it. And she had her own practice. So she said, they will not teach you anything about running your own business. Reach out to people, find resources, figure out how you want to run a practice, knowing that that would probably be my end goal at some point. And I said, okay, okay, okay. Went to chiropractic school. I'm like, wow, who has time to learn about how to build a business? Like you're just focusing on your studies the entire time. So after, I honestly think the most important thing that and it's probably a little opposite of what you would think I would say, but it's really about honing your craft. And I do think that because I think that if you get really, really good at your treatment and you find like a fantastic mentor, which is what I did right out of chiropractic school, I found this incredible, incredible doctor that I worked with during chiropractic school as well. And I just learned so much from him. He is completely evidence-based, Dr. Murray. He is the brightest, one of the brightest people I've ever met ever in like any space. And I just tried to soak up and learn everything I possibly could from him. And I just told myself, you know, if your treatment is really, really good, and you're actually helping these people and changing these people's lives, word of mouth will spread. And that I felt was the most organic way of building my practice. And then when I actually did go out to build my own practice, I just started working with studios. I was teaching at a Pilates studio. I was living close to where all these studios were. And I just really started inviting the studio owners into my office. And I was like, if I can fix them, you know, they'll send people to me. And that's how I started building my practice to begin with. So it wasn't a marketing campaign. It wasn't a pre-launch. It wasn't press. It was just, you know, really, really good treatment with, yeah, that was basically really good treatment and connection to the studio spaces. I I love that. You're exactly right though, because um, you know, from a biz, creating a business standpoint, 
sometimes we kind of get into these notions of like, oh, I need to like allocate this much for like a marketing budget and I need to be able to tack in all this overhead and like do all the fine, all the things. But like at the end of the day, what makes a successful business successful is providing value to their customers and creating a community based off of that value. And it sounds like that's exactly what you focus on, which is ultimately too, I feel like is almost like the transition, like the foundation to create that transition from running your own practice to then even creating scope, would you say? Yeah, I would definitely say that lesson is something I repeatedly try to remind myself of. And as we're building scope now, and of course, sometimes you get caught up in seeing, okay, what other people are doing and we need to, you know, put more press and more Instagram and more this, more that. I think as a team, we internally kind of sat down and we talked about, we just really need to build the best product we possibly can and the best product we think that will ever be out there and put all of our focus on that, which is what we've done for the last three years. So it's taken longer. But um, yeah, if you really just provide, we hope the best product possible, then the rest shall come. <laughs> mm, that's exactly right. So this is so inspiring, by the way. And I'm curious if you've got any advice for those that maybe just recently completed their studies or about to and are considering running their own practice. What advice would you have for them? For sure. So one I would say is you definitely want to live where you want to grow your practice. That was something I learned because there is something to community. You know, there is something to going to get your coffee at the same place and going to the same studios and seeing the same people. And word of mouth really spreads when you're really inundated in your community. And Lululemon helped me with that. I became a Lululemon ambassador um, for the store in our community, which was really, really helpful because I dove, you know, head first into the South Bay life, which I love out here. So that's one thing I would recommend. And also just finding a really good mentor and just knowing that patients are going to come into your office and you're not going to have all the answers and you need to just explain that to them and say, you know, I may not know right this second, but I will 100% figure it out. Don't just throw the kitchen sink approach at them because you don't know what's going on. That's the advice I would give. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's, that's exactly right. And you know, I think latching onto community is really important too, because when you are creating a business, especially in the brick and mortar space, those stories that you're able to share about why you're passionate about living in the place that you are today, it's going to attract people in a different way too, in a more meaningful way, at least. Absolutely. So a different kind of like a different route then, just because I'm also personally curious because I'm in the sports <laughs> space too. And <laughs> I think, you know, the professional sports, uh, sports medicine, and then athletic space, my goodness, it is definitely evolved over the past several years. Uh, COVID definitely took an impact on it when we were out of sports for almost my goodness a year. That was kind of painful. We had to watch Cornhole, but I love Cornhole, by the way, too, for those that like Cornhole. Um, I'm really good at it. But I, I think the sports medicine space has really also shifted. So in your perspective, how has even the evolution of the chiropractic world made an impact in the bet for the betterment of sports? Absolutely. So I think this is an interesting perspective as well, because I have the chiropractic view of things and also the athletic training view of things. And back in the, I don't want to say back in the day, not that long ago, chiropractic was kind of looked at as, you know, a very different type of medicine. People would often say, are they a real doctor? Are they just going to crack your neck? Like what's going to happen with them? So I think that narrative is definitely shifting 100%. I think it's becoming 
way more, you know, in quotes, normal to see a chiropractor, way more respectable. And people are, I think that's just from them figuring out more so what the profession does. It's a lot more than, you know, just cracking a neck. It's a very similar study path to medical school. So you do have enough training and substantial training. So I think in sports, it's actually shifting because, I mean, I have to say that it used to not be where chiropractors were on a sports medicine team. To my knowledge, like it wasn't on every single team. I know now that NFL, every single team does have a chiropractor on staff. I think almost every NBA team has a chiropractor on staff. My good friend is a chiropractor for the Kings and was with the Clippers. And it's becoming like way more normal for athletes to see and have chiropractors in their medical wheelhouse. And even we saw a big push in the Olympics, like in 2018, um, Dr. Bill Morrell, who I know became the first chief medical officer for the 2018 Rio Games. And that was the first time a chiropractor was put in that position. So, you know, from a professional athlete stance in every sense, chiropractors are definitely finding their seat at the table. And I think rightfully so, as they're the musculoskeletal specialist, in my opinion. I totally get that. So then I'm wondering, are there things that are still missing or how do you think it's going to evolve in the future? Yes. I mean... I have to say, like, females in these roles are definitely missing, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I remember when I was in athletic training for undergrad, you know, my goal was to make it to the Olympics or to work with a pro sports team. And they said, that will be really, really hard as a female. And I think it's still really, really hard as a female. Um, A lot of females are still not on the professional medical teams. And I think I researched it recently. I think it was like an article from 2018 saying there's like three females to ever be chiropractors on a pro sports team and even fewer athletic trainers when you look at the ratio. So I think females in these roles definitely can be incorporated and increased. (laughs) Mm. Oh, that's an interesting one. I didn't even realize that, but I mean, certainly it's, it's, something that needs to be put more into the the into the limelight. And that actually even leads me to a, a more interesting discussion, which is in the realm of women's sports and female athletes. I'm assuming there's probably some sort of considerations. And I'm saying probably because there's no doubt that there's definitely considerations that needs to be made when you've got a female chiropractor who actually is able to support female athletes. Is, is that right? And I'm also kind of like steering to like a really strange direction too, but I'm also curious if you've got any immediate thoughts. No, for sure. No, I mean, this is actually something I tried researching recently because when you search, you know, athletic trainers or chiropractors in professional sports, all the results are male driven. It's all like NFL driven. I think to really find the statistics on that, you'd have to look like almost every female pro sport medical team and dig through if there's a chiropractor, if they're a female chiropractor, which I should do. What no excuse there. I definitely need to look into this further. But um, I I would assume, and this is an assumption, that female sports are way underfunded. There's obviously like many, many discussions about this, but I would assume since they are so underfunded, if they would even have chiropractors on staff or just the athletic trainers that they need to be on staff, um, I'd have to look further into that. But either way, I think every female sports team needs a chiropractor, needs athletic training, needs a supportive medical staff just as much as men's sports teams do. And females being on both sides of that for male or female sports, I think would be a huge advantage, to be honest. Mm. Well, I am definitely in alignment with you there. And I think 
I'm hoping if absolutely yes, that scope is also part of that mission to help really change the industry in a more positive way. Yeah. And also democratizing access as well to Pilates, which I know you and I were able to chat a lot about. And I think that Pilates itself as a modality has such an incredible opportunity to really make itself its, its own name in the space and create its own category, especially because I mean, I definitely do not have to tell you this, but (laughs) I think um, for those that have not tried Pilates are still in the beginnings of of Pilates, it has so many incredible benefits outside of just physical exercise, right? There's this rehabilitation and recovery standpoint, overall body conditioning standpoint. And I think the, the space that you're operating in now is really interesting to me specifically, especially then you start layering the components of your own personal background and then tacking on another layer of the world of connected technology and connected fitness and connected wellness that we've really seen this upward rise in over the past couple of years. So let's kind of go into that a little bit. I, I would love to hear your story. And let's kind of start off from the very beginning of creating scope. What would you say are some of the biggest obstacles that you've, you've had to overcome so far? So, well, first off, I, this wasn't my original idea. I got brought into this by my co-founder, Ego, and his wife, Genevieve. And Genevieve has a ton of experience teaching Pilates, way more experience, honestly, than I have. And her husband, Ego, who's my co-founder, has manufacturing hardware experience. So I was actually touring um, their co-working spaces to open my own chiropractic office. And she just mentioned to me, you know, we're trying to build a Pilates machine. This was pre-COVID. Is this something you'd be interested in? And in 30, I don't even know, 0.0005 seconds, I was like, I'm in. Like, this is everything I've ever wanted. This, you know, puts all of my passions together. I want to join and help build this. So we were really, really excited. And that was pre-COVID. So the landscape looked very, very different. But back then, we still thought this is a world-changing idea. And how we look at Pilates is a bit different, we think, than how we've practiced it. So bringing that to a bigger platform was really important to us. But I think one of the biggest obstacles we had to overcome, and this may be, I can't speak for the rest of the team, but this may be more personal, was I'm very plan oriented. So, you know, from very young, I always knew, okay, doctor, sports medicine, this is my plan. The decisions I made led me to that plan. And this was a little different. And I just had to think, you know, I've never gone to business school. And I think that was honestly an obstacle I had to overcome was just having the confidence to say, okay, I deserve to be a co-founder of this company. I deserve to be the CEO of this company. And just gaining confidence in that was an obstacle because I felt like I didn't have the on-paper background or education when I started pitching to some of these people who were like, well, you didn't go to business school. And I said, oh, okay, I know I didn't go to business school, you know, but I went to nine years of graduate school and I think I can give a unique perspective to this, even though I didn't go to business school, but just overcoming that was a little bit of an obstacle. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. (laughs) And I especially if I look at it too on the other way around, you are certainly not the only one that has that same fear. And I think from an investor standpoint, we've got a little bit of work to do too, to be able to open up access to those that want to become a founder. And the reality is like, I, I hear this all the time now, but it's so, so true that 
launching, starting your own business, creating a business, creating a product, my goodness, and then scaling it, like that is in itself a real life <laughs> MBA. Like that is exactly what it is, if not greater, um, <laughs> definitely if not greater. So definitely hats off to you. And I know that it's, it's, it's certainly a very roller coaster of a ride starting onto the journey of becoming a founder and becoming an entrepreneur. But I think that's the fun of it. So what would you say are some of like the really great or even one great memory that you've had so far of being a co-founder? Yeah. I mean, honestly, there's just nothing I love more. Like building this company with our team has been so fun. And I, it's truly like I eat, breathe, sleep, live it. It's like all I talk about. It's all I think about. It's what, you know, keeps me up at night, but in a really excited way, not in a stressed way, but just knowing what we can create and what I really think we can achieve with this just really excites me. And I always tell my fans, I'm like, well, now I'm in this, so I can never leave again. Like this entrepreneurial life and fire lit inside of me is something I hadn't experienced in, you know, opening a practice or in chiropractic school or anything like that. So the whole thing has been really fun. And I think just honestly meeting people in this space that I was very new to has been the most fun for me. And most people have been really, really nice and really willing to talk to someone like me and share their stories with me. And that's been really, really great to hear other people's stories. I think that's the funnest part for me. Then mm. those are just actually really great tidbits to be able to share with others that are thinking about becoming a founder as well. So like leverage your resources. If you don't have them just yet, that's totally okay. There are people out there that are willing to help. You just have to kind of branch out and ask and when we think about some of the key learnings too from a business standpoint that you have now experienced over the past couple of years, you just mentioned it, right? And I think that's also kind of the elephant in the room for those that are exploring connected fitness in the industry that you're operating in is you know, there's a lot going on in this space. There's a lot in this <laughs> industry now, especially because of COVID. So in this ever-growing category, how are you thinking about creating a competitive differentiator? Of course, this is obviously something we've given a lot of thought to. And from the and from early 2019, when we thought of this, we thought, okay, we don't just want to put a screen on a machine. We thought, what else do we want to do? What do we want to create here? And that's when um, Ego and Yuhar Engineer, their background in technology really came to the forefront and manufacturing. And then my background of form and biomechanics, they all kind of merged together. And We've developed this form technology in our hardware that, you know, answers the number one question of, am I doing this right? You know, it takes that out of the equation so the user can know I am doing this right because we never cared about someone working as hard as they possibly can if they're not working correctly. And when I say working, you know, I mean moving, <laughs> like moving correctly. So our goal really was to change these people's lives and reinvent what Pilates is and change what the sector really means. Because people think it's this slow, um, sometimes intimidating, you know, old school type of recovery modality. And I love Pilates because it can be so much more. It can be high intensity. It can be rehab. It can be postpartum. It can be performance. It can be stretching. It can be hit. It could be all of these different things, which I think a lot of other, you know, sectors of fitness does not offer, which is why I love it so much, I think, because you can do so much with it. So really, you know, our content is a way, our hardware is a way, your partnerships are a way, who you choose to invest in is a way. Um, we have a little bit of a medical plan 
stirring inside of our company right now. So I think that will be a big differentiator. But even how we thought about redesigning our hardware to be compactable, so it's smaller than a treadmill, I think that was something that we looked at to really be, you know, competitive as people who wanted our product wouldn't be able to fit it into their, you know, maybe apartment otherwise. So there's a lot of different ways. And I think just you have to be true to your mission and our, you know, internal mission is really making sure people are moving correctly, preventing injury, having fun and having the best workout imaginable. So. Oh, that makes sense. And <laughs> I may be, it's, I think also too, so like I've kind of peeked under the hood just a little bit. <laughs> and if I look at almost like, again, I kind of always like try to find like these common threads of everything, right? And one thing that I'm really seeing about what Scope is doing is, I mean, people say this phrase a lot, but I think you guys are really being intentional about it, is meeting the consumers where they are. Where they are right now is number one, they don't want to do just one type of fitness workout. So that's why Pilates is able to tap into so many different types of modalities. They also realize that because it is such an ever-going category marketplace that we're now operating in, there is not very many spaces or room inside a house that can fit all these different platforms or products. So it's important to them that they find the solution that really also kind of meets their their rooms and their their locations or their houses where they are too. Yeah. Um, so taking a look at space requirements, but really just like putting into the mindset of the consumer of where they are, where they're going, and always just meeting them, not the other way around. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have to look at our consumers. And I think something we also want to change is that Pilates is traditionally nine to one female to male. And I think that's something we can actually really change, you know, meeting your consumer halfway. And I look at the men in my life and I look at the male patients I've treated and how I've rehabbed them into different activities. And we took a hard look as an internal team and thought, you know, what will these, our target demographics want? What activities are they doing? What do they want to get better at? What are they doing all day? And kind of creating our content and our company internally within that and you know a big thing is honestly golf if I throw that out there like I've had patients who are you know two handicapped golfers and I've used Pilates to rehab their low backs and now their golf games improved and early on we thought okay there's big changes we can make here and I'm not taking an athlete or a golfer out of their sport but I'm actually meeting them where they want to be and then increasing their longevity in the sport and their quality of life with this modality so it's a really, really exciting place to be. And I truly think, you know, we could change people's lives and the world with this modality, which is really exciting. Mm. And I think also to your background of being in athletic performance, and then also from a clinical standpoint, it also too kind of puts the stamp of approval. <laughs> um, you'll probably, you're, you're very humble. So I, in my perspective, I think it also puts a stamp of approval for those that may still be on the the kind of seesaw of trying to understand like how Pilates could really affect and better um, improve their overall movement. Yeah. So going into still like your role as the founder of Scope, is there anything that you wish that you had done prior to? This is, I mean, this is going to sound so funny and I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but I, before we fundraise, I had never fundraised before. And, you know, I read some books. I have a fantastic advisor, um, who's like a very powerful female who runs her own company and went through it. But if someone would have just like explained fundraising to me like this early on, I feel like I really would have gotten it very easily. 
And, you know, that's just, you. I either think of it as like dating when you're young or like, honestly, Pete Davidson, where, you know, when you're dating when you're young, once one boy likes you or one girl likes you, then like the other ones are like, well, what do they see that I don't see? Then the other one likes you. And as soon as someone's like, oh, they're going to ask this person to prom, the other person's like, well, I better ask them to prom first. And that's fun racing, which no one says. Oh my and goodness. No one should ever hear me say, so I probably shouldn't have explained it like that. But if someone would have just explained it to me like that, um, I, I think I would have gotten it early on. <laughs> you know, I've never heard it explained like that either. <laughs> but I think it certainly does have its merit. Um, you know, if I think about it, because you know, from like a technical standpoint, right? We're always saying like, oh, I need to find my lead, right? I need to find the lead. And I kind of always almost like think about it too from a sports space because you're, you've been in sports, right? When you've got that one coach, because we, a lot of times like we kind of go through a lot of different coaches too. I know like back in high school during my, my lacrosse days, we had, my goodness, I probably had six different coaches, Mom. but it takes that one coach like who really believe in you and then everybody else will follow suit. Everybody else will follow and realize like, oh, I didn't see that. Right. And I think it comes back to like clarity. Yeah. Um, there's there's going to be the people out there. There's going to be that person out there, usually hopefully people that do have that sense of clarity and that vision of what this could look like. And then everybody else will be able to be able to tap into that as well. So yes, I think that's an important <laughs> learning. Um, I will definitely have to take that analogy moving forward. Of course, it's not <laughs> that's the amazing. whole thing. Like obviously when you talk to someone and they get it, it's fantastic. And you know, the fireworks go off and you find your teammate and you find your, you know, VC or partner who really believes in you and you want to, just like build this and take it to the very, very top with them. But um, yeah, there is a level and I feel like it's no one really says it, but there is the level of FOMO where, you know, if someone thinks they're missing out, they jump a little quicker and that was not mm-hmm. explained to me. So that's good. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> well, it does sound like Ben and this is also just me like getting to really, really know you two. You are so, so wonderful, very humble and also very open. And I think those qualities and traits are so understated and the role of being a founder and a CEO and an entrepreneur, those are incredibly necessary. And I would love to understand at what point has there ever been a point where you feel like you were really challenged in your vulnerability to be able to grow personally, professionally, you name it. I mean, of course, and, you know, this is probably being too honest, but my whole life, I kind of knew, you know, this is my goal, this is my plan, and I did it, you know, and I just had my path, and that was easy for me, and I, it was, there was a timeline that you could accomplish something by, and that was easy for me, and building this company, you know, it was a little out of my comfort zone, I knew I loved it, I wanted to do it, it was something I, you know, thought if someone took away from me, I would just you know, like not be able to go on. So I knew it mattered to me, but I definitely had to go through points where it's harder than you think it's going to be. And my advisor said to me, you know, Kim, there's many times when you want to give up and it's going to be really hard. And you're going to think, why are you doing this? And I looked at her and she was on her third company, a successful company. And I looked at her and I just thought, that's not me. You know, I'll always want to do this. It will never be hard enough for me to want to give up. And there's definitely times where it's hard and you think to yourself, like, why am I doing this? And I do I think I'm crazy? You know, you hear 
enough people tell you things and you just think, am I the only one or are we the only people who think this is a good idea? Am I crazy or am I on to something? And that was a little hard for me because medicine is not like that. You're not like, oh, I'm crazy. This is, you know, not doing anything. So um, that was a vulnerable time for me. And, you know, personally, my fiance is exceptionally supportive of me in this venture, which, you know, I can't thank him enough. So just having him as a sounding board to admit, you know, when things get hard, that was out of my comfort zone to admit when anything was hard was definitely took a little bit for me. So it's been a learning experience. And I think a personal growth experience in a positive way. Oh my goodness. This is amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all of us. And I think these are definitely the type of conversations that has to be had because it's real, right? This is, this is the real life of being a founder. And I think that's probably the most beautiful part behind it. So future facing, any yes. exciting things coming up that we can expect from yourself in scope? Oh my, so, so, so many exciting things. If I am being honest, um, we've really hit our stride. I think we're really finding our momentum. There's been so many things in the works that are coming to fruition. And yeah, everyone will be seeing a ton from us. And I just like cannot wait to put out into the world, everything we've all been working so hard on together. So yes, the answer is yes, but you'll see soon. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like literally at the edge of my seat. Like, I'm so excited for this. Well, final question for you. If you could give advice to a young woman that is designed to be a future entrepreneur or executive, what would you share with them? Oh gosh, I would probably tell them, you know, listen to everyone but you don't have to listen to everything everyone says. Um, I think that's like a good piece of advice. And I think the other piece of advice would be you're the only one in control of how hard you're willing to work and how much you want something. And that is something no one can take away from you. And as long as you kind of honor that and honor your passion and work with a team that you really, really love and find support with that at the end of the day, that's where I think you'll find the sweet spot <laughs> oh my gosh this is this has been so much fun it's so fantastic well thank you kim for your time and as mentioned make sure to check out scope the smart and compactable reformer offering real-time form feedback looking to hear more what's happening in the health wellness and sports industry subscribe to this podcast and we'll catch you next time on the drift